0: Welcome to Press On with Aaron Rios, lead pastor of Garden City Church. We pray that you are encouraged and enriched as you press on towards the cause of Christ.
1: Welcome to a special edition of Press On. Over the next several episodes, we are going to be holding leadership series Today my special guest is Pastor David E. Stewart, Jr. He is the pastor of New Life Church in Lemonster. He's my pastor, my mentor. Um, He has spent time as a missionary. Would you please welcome Pastor David Stewart? Thank you for being here with us. Thank you, thanks for inviting me. Absolutely, why don't you share just a little bit about your background in ministry so we can get to know you. Well,
0: I was born into uh, a pastor's home. My dad was pastoring in Norfolk, Virginia. And uh, since then, my life has been uh, uh, somehow involved in ministry. Mom and dad pastored there for a few years and then moved to, uh, into missions and uh, eventually went to India as missionaries. I grew up in India, as you know, uh, missionary parents. The cool thing about my mom and dad um, always helped us kids understand that we were part of the ministry, that we were important to them. And that we were there as missionaries, they weren't the missionaries, and we the kids just dragging along they were we we were missionary family, we were missionaries together. I uh, as I got older, as often happens with boys, my relationship with my dad began to grow and develop. and um, I can remember the kind of first one of those early conversations that I had with dad where he went from talking to me like his, just a son, a young boy, to where now I was a son uh, with the potential of going into ministry. And remember those times where Dad began opening his heart to me and I began learning beyond just moral values and basic scriptural values. Dad began, uh, in different ways, teaching me about ministry and growing in ministry and my relationship with Christ. And so dad was, and still continues to be, a mentor to me. Uh, I graduated from high school in India and came to the United States for college. And in college, a couple of my professors, uh, you probably remember uh, Brother Bob Elliott. He was our evangelism professor and had a real profound influence in my life and a few other professors that really spoke into, into my life. And during that season began attending what was at that time First Assembly of God in Lakeland, Florida, Pastor Carl Strader, oh, yeah. a very right. large church. And uh, certainly was, Carl Strader had a, a real influence on those early days of my full-time ministry. He had an incredible ability, disciplined ability, to memorize Scripture. And uh, his, his life, his ministry challenged me two things that I, that I think I gleaned most. Number one, uh, the importance of memorizing Scripture. In fact, before I went into my ordination, uh, I went to meet Pastor Strader and told him I was getting ordained, and if he had any advice, I asked him to pray for me. He said, well, he said, Dave, he said, uh, preach the Word. Your stories help to fan the flame, but the Word of God uh, sparks the flame of faith. And so uh, uh his the way he memorized scripture is the first thing. And secondly, um, the way he gave altar calls. I never remember him preaching without giving an altar call for salvation. He was a pastor, but he acted in the role of an evangelist by giving opportunity for people to get saved. And incredibly, I I don't know that I ever remember there may have been one time in one service where somebody didn't respond and go forward uh, to give their hearts to Christ when he gave an invitation. Really pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm hearing a little bit of uh, kind of how you started off. Your parents are in ministry. Your father is a role model and a leader. <clears throat> and then fast forward, and now we see you in process moving towards ministry. I'm kind of curious. Um, was there ever a season in your life uh, in the in the early years, and, I, and I've, I've heard your story. I know uh, your story, um, uh, where maybe you didn't, you didn't want to follow in a ministry path? Maybe you, you saw your parents in ministry and you thought, well, no, this isn't for me, or was it always ingrained in you? How did that develop in you?
0: I'm grateful that mom and dad never uh, told me that I was going to go into ministry. They weren't the parent that said, well, we've dedicated you for ministry and you're going to be a pastor, you're going to be an evangelist, you're going to be a missionary. Mom and dad, I remember especially mom, often would say to us, we don't care what you do you know, as a profession, all we are concerned is that you live for Jesus. That's good, yeah. And so I never felt pressure from them to go into ministry. And in fact, I was, however, in a service that my dad was preaching. Who knows what he was preaching about, I don't remember. I do not think he was talking about the call of God. But as he was preaching, the Spirit of God began to deal with me about going into full-time ministry. And I said yes to him. I had obviously no idea what ministry would look like for me, you know, where the paths would lead me. Yeah. But I knew in that moment that God was
1: calling me to do full-time ministry and said yes to him. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's, uh, you know, uh, my oldest daughter, Astrid, um, was involved in horseback riding when she was really little and she had such a passion with animals. She got involved in the 4-H club and um, I wanted to seed in her heart and in her mind that whatever she chose to do, um, that it could impact the kingdom. So even at a young age, I would tell her things like, well, ask the Lord, how can your love and your passion for riding horses make an impact for the kingdom. And so now she's gotten older and now she's in love with uh, hair and makeup as I guess typical for teenage Mm -hmm. girls. And we're still trying to seek that. We don't want to put pressure on her that just because I'm in ministry or her mother's in ministry that she absolutely has to do that. We, in fact, we try to refrain from that. What we want to encourage her to do is whatever she does, take that to the Lord and see how it can impact the kingdom. And so I think
0: like, like our family, you want we want our kids to understand that whether or not they go into vocational ministry, we want Jesus to be the center yeah. of their lives. And really, whether you're in vocational ministry or whether you're a hairstylist or a horse rider or a professional ball player, yeah. uh, really it is everyone's duty to use their gifts and
1: their, their talents for the glory and the honor of God, and that is ministry. There you go. So, um, so we're gonna we're gonna break this up into two two sections, two podcasts. And um, this first podcast, we're gonna focus on how do we develop or personal development.
0: Sure. Yeah, I, I believe that you have to learn to lead yourself uh, before you can learn to lead others. If you haven't learned to lead yourself, then you'll never really function. Uh, as a good leader of other people. And so the two critical leadership development streams, obviously, first is I have to learn to develop me, develop you. Yeah. Um, There's several things that uh, come to mind as I've talked, thought about developing you. Number one, you need to have faith for the journey now. That's good. Don't live in tomorrow Don't live in the future, don't live in the next. What is to follow, what is to come, but live in the now. You need to have faith right now to believe that where God has you now is where you're supposed to be and understand that the now is preparing you for the next place, the next thing that God has for you. But it's not your duty to worry about what the next is or dream about the next. Your duty is to live in the now. You have to have faith for the now, more than faith for the future.
1: Wow, wow, that's great. I'm, I'm having conversations with people in different phases of life right now and that seems to be the, uh, the reoccurring theme is everyone is trying to prepare for tomorrow and we feel responsible, like that's a good thing. We wanna make sure our savings looks well, our finances look well, and sometimes we get so future-focused making provisions for ourselves that we do, do two things. One, we don't, we don't allot any space for God to do the miraculous because we're so busy preparing and then we miss out on what God is wanting to do in the moment. That's incredible.
0: I have found this to be a challenge uh, for me in each stage of my ministry, each stage of my life. When I was an evangelist in those early years right out of college, um, God opened doors for me, but they were doors to smaller churches, smaller venues. And then all of a sudden, I got an invitation to preach at a, quote, big church, and I started looking and you know, that was six weeks ahead or six months ahead or perhaps more. And I lived the next six months just excited about that opportunity to preach at the so-called big church and missed all of that right here in between um, as my ministry began growing and develop. Um, I began thinking about well, the next step, the next level of ministry. How are I gonna do this or do that? And and really sometimes didn't realize that I need to have faith for right now. The now is where I am. This is what I'm guaranteed. I don't have a guarantee of tomorrow. All I have is a guarantee of right now. So let me have
1: faith to live my life now for the glory and the honor of God. That's good. That old song, grace, uh, hope for today. wait. Grace for today, bright hope for tomorrow. Great is that faithfulness, right? That's awesome, that's awesome. Secondly, it's kind of along the same lines,
0: but you need to find joy in the journey. Uh, I used to travel all the time. Now I'm a pastor, I don't travel as much. But in those days when I was traveling all the time, I could not tell you how many miles I put behind me. But I'd find myself on a literal physical journey. I'd get in my car, and I had a six-hour drive, and I was just bent on getting there. I wasn't involved. One of the small regrets in my life is that I took my grandparents from North Carolina to Florida, and I treated that trip like my ministry trip. I got in the car, and we're gonna get to Florida, and I went through drive-throughs. My grandfather was the type of man who just liked to stop and talk to people, and how I've regretted that I didn't give that trip an opportunity for him to enjoy. Uh, instead, I had to pull through the drive-thrus at McDonald's. I would, there were times, actually once or twice after my marriage, where I about killed my wife and I trying to eat french fries while I was driving. Why don't you just stop and enjoy the journey? You need to find joy in the journey. There's so many beautiful things I began to appreciate when I was driving. The sunsets or the sunrise. Appreciate just be able to pull into a a rest area and enjoy the flowers or just sit on a park bench for a few minutes. Enjoy the journey. Um, You are today where you are. You believe you're where you should be right now. So enjoy it.
1: That's good. That's good. Yeah, you know, I just took a, a vacation. And we drove from New England all the way down to North Carolina. And this was intentional for us to enjoy the journey. So we even stopped in Philly. Um, I went to Gino's and Pat's in one sitting and ate two foot long cheesesteaks. But the the goal was to really enjoy. And just like you said, um, because I've driven from Florida up to New England and... I I didn't do it with the best attitude. I wanted to just get to the destination, and so. Um, so it seemed like a bother when your kids wanted to yeah, stop or absolutely. when they wanted to leave. This is just it was an irritation. Yeah, but this go around it was it was so enjoyable. In fact, it was just it was fun. We did handstands at at the uh, at the rest stops. Things you know, just playing with the kids and and really And it and it. At first, I felt the that initial like, Oh, I want to just hurry up and get there. But once I, I settled that and I I didn't feed into that. And I, I, I told myself that the journey is what we're going to enjoy. And can I tell you, it was the most rewarding time that I've had with my family in a long time. That's excellent.
0: Number three, uh, exercise your strengths. I know that you've been in CrossFit. (laughs) Um, I don't know that you ever have done, um, uh, bodybuilding in terms of you know you know standing
1: in front of people. Well, to look at me, you can tell I haven't. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh,
0: but as I understand it, I have obviously never done it as well. But as I understand it, those guys who do bodybuilding in the shows, they're required to to you know turn their body and pose in different ways. But even in the way they pose, they're trying to reflect uh, the muscles that they have developed. the the, greatest, their their strengths. And I think in leadership, we have to recognize, I have to recognize that I have some weaknesses, but God's given me some strength. If I can exercise the strengths, focus on those strengths, I can become a much better leader. So here are just a few tips, these are really simple, but here's a few things that you can do to help uh, to exercise your strength. Number one, study. And to study means I read, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was from Beth Grant who told me when I was just young in ministry, she said to me, David, while you're still young and single, develop a good habit of reading. And those words reverberate and they've been a blessing. Uh, Probably have not done as much as I should have, but the reading that I've done has been a blessing. Secondly, observe, watch what others are doing. One of my mentors, Charles Greenaway, once asked me, said, David, do you like good preaching? He said, your people do as well. He said, if you want to be a good preacher, then listen to other good preachers. And so way back then, I just began a habit that, that lasts till today, even today, almost every week. I will, on YouTube or on some other platform, will listen to men or women who have uh, exceptional communication and preaching skills, because I can learn from observing them. Number three, question. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, As you know, I am a presbyter, what our denomination now calls a presbyter. I sit on the presbytery board. When I walked into my first presbyter's meeting, There happened to be a seat beside the man who was at the time our our secretary treasurer who is now our superintendent. There was an empty seat beside him and so I went and purposely sat down next to him because for the next many meetings that I would attend, if there was something that came up in that meeting, I didn't know a term, I didn't understand, I'd lean over and I'd ask him a question. I'm willing to look stupid so that I am not stupid. (laughs) Uh, So ask questions. Number two, uh, exercise your strengths by finding a good teacher. You can call it a mentor, a coach, whatever word you want to call it. But you need to find somebody who can speak into your life, someone whom you respect, somebody who's already walked the journey, but someone who has compassion and authority who can speak into your life. Find a teacher. Number three, practice. 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 Um, As I was thinking about this podcast, I thought about you and how uh, in your past you you, you were a member, you you had a band, you led a band. Uh, You begin as a garage band, so to speak. (laughs) You don't think about becoming a stadium performer until you have put a lot of time into being a garage band. Uh, It takes a lot of practice. Uh, I remember my singing started... Uh, when I was about 10 years old my aunt and uncle (coughs) who sang duets in church once in a while recognized some talent in me and asked me and my little sister to sing with him and we we sang in church Uh, from there I learned to play the guitar and uh, my sister and I would sing together and then I slowly began singing uh, solos over the years it progressed I took voice lessons and every day would go and practice what i was being taught in these classical uh, western uh, voice lessons i would practice and practice uh, um, being able to 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 use those skills that my teacher w- was training me with and it progressed until where over the years now uh just by god's grace and i tell this hopefully not to boast but just as as an example over the years now progressed from singing in that small rural church with my aunt and uncle to having had the opportunity to uh, to sing in the in the I guess you would call it a stadium where the Indianapolis Colts played, where the, I've I've oh, wow. sung in the wow. in, the, in, the, in yeah. the big arena where the Phoenix Suns play basketball. I've I've stood there and been able to sing there in in those venues. Um, it didn't happen overnight. Uh, leadership doesn't happen overnight. It takes practice. And understand that sometimes practice is frustrating. I, I know that you know this. You play the guitar the piano. Um, it's just, it's over and over and over again. You think, man, I, why well, I can't? I remember being in the studio one time recording music and standing there in front of the microphone and thinking to myself, why am I doing this to myself? It was so absolutely painful. <laughs> yeah. But it turned out that that album, that very album, that I remember thinking that became one of the, one of the albums that most people appreciate. One or two songs on there became just
1: uh,
0: songs that people really loved and appreciated. So practice. Uh, the fourth thing is staff your weaknesses as a leader. Um, Though I was a singer, I was not a musician. I didn't have the ability. That's why we brought you on staff in those <laughs> days to, to staff areas where I weak. And there's certainly other areas where I'm even weaker. Um, For instance, I hate numbers. Well, I've got to have a business manager. I need somebody who can help to keep my accounts. Um, The the small details, I'm a visionary person. I I see the big picture, as you know. Uh, I struggle with sometimes the details. And so to have people around me who are able to staff my weaknesses is is really important. Uh, The fifth thing, study God's Word. Uh, If you were a doctor, you would study medical books. You're a preacher. You're a man of God. Study God's Word. Study God's Word. There's no excuse for not knowing God's Word. You've got to study. Study as you've heard me say. Read it, meditate on it, memorize it, and above all, live it. And then the last thing in terms of developing you is pursue the presence of God. You know that's important to me. Uh, Through prayer, through times of personal as well as corporate worship, we want to invite the Holy Spirit's presence because he's the one who called me. Back in those days when I was in that little church, my dad preaching, and God called me. Uh, it wasn't, I, I i didn't go into that service thinking, well, I'm going to get called in ministry today. The Holy Spirit was gracious enough to come to call me. One of my favorite scriptures, as you may know, is found in Mark, the third chapter, where it says that Jesus went into the mountain and he called to Himself those whom He Himself wanted." That's of course King James uh, uh, language, but uh, he, He called those whom He wanted to. And then it says, the cool thing, He says He called them so that they might be with Him that He might send them to preach and to cast out demons and to heal the sick. The problem is we forget that little connecting verse. He called them to Himself that they might be with Him in order that they would go and preach. Uh, throughout our ministry, we've got to live in the presence of God. And if I don't learn to live in the presence of God, my ministry cannot be effective. My leadership won't be effective. This is a spiritual matter. This isn't just worldly leadership. This isn't just leading a corporation. This is leading and being a member, which ultimately is being a servant
1: of God and servant of God's people. So, what I'm hearing is in as much as this is spiritual, um, this is a mandate. This is a call from God. But there's some practical steps. Uh, in other words, we don't just end up as spiritually influential leadership, leaders by accident. Oh, no. And this is intentional. This is purposeful. This is something you get up in the morning and you set your face towards. Have you ever had a garden? I have, and they haven't grown very well Well, sometimes. (laughs) And probably
0: is, and I have had the same experience, because you and I haven't studied enough about how to do it. We haven't worked them well enough. We haven't done what was necessary, because I have a few tomato plants outside my house right now. I've gotten a few tomatoes off them, but they look pitiful compared to a man that lives just down the street. The soil is the same soil that we have at our place. Everything's the same. The, the climate's the same. It's not like he lives in Hawaii and I live in Massachusetts. He lives just down the street from me. His tomato plants, year after year, are beautiful and beautiful, um, whereas mine, you know, I'm proud just to get a few tomatoes off <laughs> of them. What's the difference? Is He knows, he understands, he's practiced, he's put some effort into it. You and I call by God. The call may be there, but... But there are things that God expects you and I to do to
1: develop and and grow in that call that he has on our lives. Cultivate. Wow. All right. So 30 seconds, if it's possible. How do you, you know, there's an internal want inside for a person to want to go after these things, you know. So how do you cultivate that want? inside of yourself. I, obviously, part of it is a reflection of your call in your life because the Holy Spirit has to be prompting you and saying, you know, go after this. But uh, what is it in you? How do you cultivate that to a young leader out there that says, you know, I want to be a great leader one day, um, but maybe they don't have those disciplines or really that, that even that want to read a book, reading, reading a book's drudgery or the thought of going back to school is drudgery. Uh, what do you do with that? How do you motivate a young person? I think it starts with a conviction that I'm called. Hmm. Are you called? Well, then you're gonna have to do something.
0: Do you want God to use you? Do you want to bring glory and honor to God? Then uh, I preached recently from Matthew 25, the the rich man who gave money to three different uh, servants. uh, Two of them used it wisely and one guy just dug a hole and put it in there. And when the master came, the master said to him, you lazy and wicked slave. The Problem is that sometimes, quite honestly, we're just too lazy to grow. And uh, in order to grow, uh, I think first of all you have to have the conviction. You have, to. if God's really called you, that conviction's there. Then you will add to it. Then discipline. Uh, it requires discipline. There are plenty of time. Prayer for me is often a joy, but there are other days when I wake up in the morning before I come over here to spend time in church. I have to just force myself. It'd be a lot easier lay back down, go to sleep. But because of discipline and desire to please God that is birthed out of that, that day when God called me. I'm convinced. I know God's called me. Even here at this church, I can go through things and do things because I'm convicted. I have this conviction, this deep conviction in my heart that God's called me here to Leminster during this season of my life. How long that season will last? It may be another five, ten years. I don't know. Um, that's between, that's God's business. Mine's just to obey Him and be where He has put me and to discipline myself in this season.
1: Excellent, excellent. Uh, I want to thank our guest today, Pastor David E. Stewart Jr. He's a pastor of New Life Church in Lemonster. He's as well, he's my, my mentor, my leader, my pastor. Uh, he's also uh, an author. You can pick up his book, Hungry for His Presence, on Amazon and uh, pretty much every outlet where the books are available. Um, he has been an evangelist and he has been a missionary. Uh, pastor David Stewart, thank you so much for taking time to, to share and enrich me and enrich our listeners. Join Join us next week for part two. Hey, thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. I pray you were encouraged, enriched, and inspired to chase after God. If you enjoyed today's podcast, why don't you take a minute and share it? Let's encourage each other with God's word. And remember, if you do not have a church to attend, we invite you to visit us at Garden City Church. We're located at 140 Bridge Street in Beverly, Massachusetts, and we meet in the Emmanuel Congregational Church building. If you need prayer or an encouragement, I invite you to email me at pastor at gardencity.com. Church.net, or you can visit me online at AaronRios.com or any social media outlet. Hey, till next time, keep pressing on towards Christ. God bless you.